Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 148 being recorded on Monday, October 1st, 2018. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Well, listeners, we have a special treat for you this week. We... uh Jeff Bezos, as you know, is one of our top listeners, and he knew Jason was in New York last week, and he thought that would be a good time to open an exciting new store, the Four Star Store. And Jason, our live, uh, always in a city when a new Amazon thing opens reporter, uh, is going to give us a trip report today. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about uh, Four Star. I'm sad because the last show, uh, we were together, so now I'm having to get used to the the separation and doing it remotely again, Scott. I know, I know. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll see each other in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> cool. Let's kick it off by, um, so, so uh, you know, you and I follow this really closely. Maybe not everyone else is, is obsessed with the Amazon physical stores. Uh, let's kick it off. Why don't you give us an overview of the different store formats that are out there? Yeah. Uh, well, so I think the first brick and mortar store that Amazon ever opened uh, was probably the Amazon Bookstore, uh, the original one in uh, University Center in uh, in uh, suburb of Seattle. And now I want to say there are seventeen or eighteen of the bookstores open. Um, and so this is a like the uh, they do in fact sell books. They also sell Amazon hardware in the store. Uh, some of the key unique concepts of the store. Uh, Amazon has dynamic pricing. Their pricing online changes all the time. They want to offer the same price in the store that they do online. So the store has no price tag. So you have to use the Amazon app and scan everything in the store to learn what the price is. Uh, When you make your purchases, you get in line at a traditional cash wrap, but instead of paying with a credit card, you're highly encouraged to use the Amazon mobile app to uh, check out using your Amazon digital wallet. So they have uh, kind of a, uh, to my way of thinking, convoluted, high-friction checkout experience. Um, And I I suspect we'll talk about that more. Uh, And there's, you know, a lot of speculation about the purpose of those bookstores. Um, it, it seems unlikely to me personally that that Amazon has identified the dead tree book category as a category where they desperately have to get mar- more market share than they were getting online. And so they opened uh, bookstores because they thought that that was the category the world needed more of. Um, my, my premise has always been that Amazon has these really uh, uh, successful hardware products like the Echo and the Fire, and that they uh, recognized that they needed a demo environment and a customer service environment for those, and that the the books were kind of um, the decoration around the Amazon Echo store, if you will. Okay. Cool. And then um, uh, what other formats are there out there? Yeah, so uh, a couple formats cropped up after that. Uh 
Amazon had had uh, Amazon Fresh for a while, and so they launched a couple of these Amazon Fresh pickup locations in Seattle. So these were um, places where you could order your groceries from Amazon Fresh, and instead of having them delivered, you could drive through almost like a bank teller, um, a drive-through bank teller kind of situation, and they would put your groceries right in your trunk. They had a very fast service level, so you could get your groceries delivered like 30 minutes after you placed the order. Um, the these two stores opened shortly before Amazon bought Whole Foods. So this at one point was their, the you know, looked like the tip of their spear of their brick-and-mortar grocery strategy. And then, of course, uh, they they uh, upset the industry by actually buying a brick-and-mortar grocer. Um, so they, they have, uh, of course, uh, they have the Whole Foods stores is a, another Amazon format. And they've, they've made a lot of progress in... Uh, digitalizing, I, I think I just coined a new version of that word there, uh, the grocery store. So prior to the acquisition, you could not find out what Whole Food carried in an individual store. You could not see inventory. Uh, now you can shop the whole inventory of all the Whole Food stores. Uh, they've added a ton of omni-channel features. So, you know, uh, Whole Foods delivers uh, in many markets, they have curbside pickup uh, with very fast service levels in, in uh, many markets. Um, they've integrated Amazon Prime into the Whole Foods experience. So you you get discounts on products if you're a Prime member and you are now using uh, your mobile app and your barcode to get that Prime discount when you check out at the front of Whole Foods store. So Whole Foods is certainly one of those concepts. And then Inside of many of the Whole Foods, Amazon has a hardware pop-up shop. And so there, there are now 37 or 38 of these Amazon pop-ups, which is a, a, a format, you know, purely dedicated to the Amazon hardware. So that's mainly Echo, Fire, Ring, uh, and some Amazon Basics products. Um, and, and as we know, the, the, those are all expanding lines. They're adding new SKUs. Some of these pop-ups are not in Whole Foods stores. Uh, and then not included in that count, Amazon has also done a shop in shop inside of a bunch of Best Buy stores that has a lot of these physical things. Um, so those were, uh, is, as far as I can remember, were the main Amazon brick and mortar formats uh, leading up to this this new Amazon four star store that just opened in the Soho uh, neighborhood in, in uh, Manhattan. Cool. So it's um, good overview. So. Give us an idea of you know what 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 it's like when you walk in this thing. Um, one thing I saw online, a lot of people are kind of questioning the name four star. Uh, it's almost kind of like why not just have five star stuff? So I would love to hear your thoughts uh, on that. And then as you walk in, give us a lay of the land. Is it categorical or is it just kind of? I saw some people say it's a bunch of random stuff I would never buy, just kind of all jostled together. I would love to hear your kind of like a little tour of what you saw there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So merchandising is certainly in the eye of the beholder. Uh, so first of all, if, if we haven't explained it to our listeners, uh, the concept behind the four-star store is that everything in the store has earned uh, four stars or more on the Amazon platform um, or is a hot seller or is a new and trending product. So uh Essentially, it's they're taking these products that are doing really well on the Amazon e-commerce platform and putting them in a physical store format. And so, yeah, you know, I think um, I haven't given a lot of thought to the name. The uh, 
you know, you're right. Like it's open to misinterpretation that it's stuff that's rated four and not five star. It, it, it really is meant to be four star and above. Um, and many of the products in there likely aren't four star because they're, they're new, new trending products as well. So, so the, the merchandise in the store is a little broader than the name might imply. Um, it's a 4,000 square foot store, which is a similar footprint to the bookstores and the, the physical fixturing in the store and the signage and the graphic elements are all very similar to the bookstore. So if you shopped a bookstore, uh, the, the visual merchandising in the, the four star store would feel very similar to you. Uh, uh, there, there's one merchandising element that's dramatically different, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but the main thing that would feel different about the four-star store from the bookstores is quite simply the merchandising assortment uh, that is in these stores. And in fact, you actually can see some of the, the fingerprints of this store in the earlier bookstores. So in the bookstores... Uh, some of the unique gondolas they had for books is they would have a gondola just for books that were rated 4.8 stars or above. And at the time that was a novel concept that they, you know, that they had a merchandising display, you know, dedicated to well-reviewed products. And then they also had a gondola for stuff that was rated 4.6 stars and above by New Yorkers for the store in New York. So they had a store that had, you know, that was very sensitive to uh, uh, well-reviewed products, from other people in the same market as you. And so in a way, you can almost think of this store as taking those couple of innovative displays out of the bookstores and turning them into a, a whole brick and mortar store. Uh, there is very, very clear wayfinding. So the you like the, the signs for the categories of products are pretty clear. Um, and, and so you both have sort of tables that have things like uh, new and trending products, uh, uh, you literally have a category for like uh, uh, products that tend to get purchased together. Um, you have a table for things that are hot in Manhattan. Um, you you have those kinds of of um, curated assortments based on 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 uh, ratings and reviews and user generated content on tables in the middle of the store, and then most of the walls of the store are. Little micro categories, so pet products or uh, travel products or uh, kids products, um, and then there's a couple big categories. So there, there, there are tables that are dedicated and labeled as Amazon products. Separately, there's a home automation section. Uh, there's a fire section. Um, there's a big section in the middle of the store. Uh, that uh, I, I'm pretty sure is a vendor-funded pr- display that's for the the, room, the iRobot uh, uh, artificial intelligence vacuum cleaners. Um, and so you have a bunch of these categories, and I think it's totally fair to the you know people that walk in and say, hey, it feels a little hodgepodge disorienting. Um, to me, what that is is you've got a, a category of pet products sitting next to a category of travel products, right? And you, you know, there, there's not necessarily a, a an, an obvious um, association between those two categories, and yet they're they're merchandise adjacently in the store. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but there are even tables for things like uh, Amazon Basics cookware, for example. Um, so the the assortment can feel a little. Uh, 
uh, random or, or, you know, there's some odd juxtapositions of the assortment. Um, but in a way, that's one of the things that's interesting uh, to me about the store. Uh, you know, in- increasingly, we talk about stores like Amazon's website as being the, the you know, the absolute winner at things like assortment and convenience and price. And so we talk a lot about, you know, the best play for a lot of other retailers is to be at the other end of that spectrum and be in the sort of uh, curation and discovery end of the spectrum where you, you know, you, you could be surprised and delighted to, to discover some new product that you didn't even know you wanted that the retailer helped you find. And none of the previous Amazon concepts were really very good at discovery and certainly Amazon's website, you know, has not been successful at discovery. Uh, you know, they've done a number of pilots, including one we talked about last week, the the Amazon Scout experience to try to get better at discovery. But that's always been sort of a, a gap for Amazon. And it's it's been one of the the plays you've seen a lot of other retailers do to try to compete against Amazon. And so now you have this new store format that I, I do think um, has a strong element of surprise and delight like if you went in there to shop for amazon products if you went in there to see the new echo or to see the 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 microwave oven which side note it's not in the store yet um you you would discover some other products that are highly rated that a bunch of people are buying on amazon that you probably didn't know existed and so there is that kind of fun element of surprise and because it's a broad assortment uh, a lot of people pointed out, like, you know, it's a pretty it's a particularly good assortment if, for example, you're shopping for a gift for someone because there's a wide variety of different things for people with different tastes. Cool. What um, let's see, what was the biggest? Well, how about this? So a lot of people in New York love that store called Story that, um, you know, I changes kind of every quarter. It has a theme. Um, they tend to be seasonal, like around uh, Valentine's Day, it'll be love and home. And they have all these kinds of things. Uh, Macy's acquired that, I believe. Uh, and then, so that's a store that's like really just focused on discovery. Uh, and then we've had beta on the show where it was really around device discovery. Uh, a lot of times in the Apple store, you kind of have that kind of experience for products how would you kind of rate this in that spectrum of stores oriented towards discovery yeah so it it is much closer to the the um sort of beta end of the spectrum uh and in fact i would in some ways it shares some common strengths and challenges with the beta format right so you know like beta you're you're apt to discover some new stuff when you walk in that store that you didn't know existed and that's great um but like beta uh there probably aren't a lot of customers that have a particular product in mind and then are going to go to the beta store to fulfill that particular product, right? So, you know, to me, one of the challenges with the beta format is it's very strong if you just want to discover something you didn't know existed, um, but it's it, it doesn't, you know, do particularly well as a destination for products I already know I need. Um, and so what's interesting about this Amazon four star is it does have a little bit of both. Like if you knew that, you know, all your friends are talking about, uh, echo and you finally want to jump in and buy an echo, or you already have an echo and you want to learn about more home automation products that you can integrate with your echo, uh, this store is going to be your destination. They have the broadest assortment. They have in staff, you know, in-store people that are trained to teach you. They're doing in-store demos and things like that. Um, 
And so it is your demo for Amazon products. And then you're going to have that beta style discovery experience around the Amazon product. So in that way, it's a little bit better of a blend. Um, you did, you mentioned story and to me, uh, Story also is a, a very much a discovery experience, but it's a a, a much more um, carefully curated discovery experience. So everything in Story is going to fit into a single theme, and that theme is going to change every couple of months or every story, as they call it. Right. So you know if it's a a, a local food based theme, all the products in the store are going to be related to local food and how to prepare it and shop for it and buy it. Um, and so there is a cohesive theme and, you know, the, the cohesive theme in beta is sort of tech gadgets, if you will. Um, and you know, the, there really isn't as much of a cohesive theme in this Amazon store. It's more the, the curation by, by rating, um, plus all the Amazon products. Um, but I do think this is going to end up being a, a destination store that's a mission for people that decide they want to buy Amazon products. If you want to see that microwave oven before you buy one, uh, I think this store is clearly going to be your destination if you if you live in the New York area. Um, and then it is going to be a, another store in a popular shopping district in Soho that people just want to go in to browse and see what's new and hip, and they're going to expect to see fun new stuff every time they walk in the store. Um, and, you know, compare that, for example, to the, the world's most successful retail concept, Apple, like I, I would argue that there's very little fun surprise when you walk into an Apple store. I mean, you know, when they first launched, they carried a lot of third party product. But as they have launched more of their own products, they've really Apple has, you know, really narrowed the assortment to just stuff they sell. And when they, you know, bought Beats, they suddenly didn't want to sell other people's headphones very much. And so. In general, all the products in that Apple store are Apple products, and they change at best once a year. And so you're rarely surprised when you walk into an Apple store. But you're going to be able to walk into this Amazon store, um, you know, certainly every couple of weeks and and discover some new stuff. So that's a, an interesting play for Amazon. Cool. So you're getting – you got the vibe they're going to be changing those products pretty frequently. Like where they like running around like, oh, my God, this is now – below four stars and here's the new thing and this is hot and trending or yeah i definitely don't get the sense that it's going to be real time but i think they are committed to to very uh frequent uh product refreshes and that certainly is one of the things we'll we'll want to watch um the i i hinted up front uh that there's that the merchandising mostly feels exactly like the amazon bookstore but there is one dramatic difference between the bookstores and this store and that is that this store uh, uses digital displays or what we call electronic shelf labels or sometimes they're called electronic fact tags in front of every product in the store. So there's a little e-ink display in front of every product. And what that lets the, the Amazon four-star store do is it lets that store uh, show that dynamic price. And if that price changes throughout the day, uh, the price is updated on that on that ticket in real time. Um, and of course, in addition to having the price on that ticket, they also show the average star rating and the number of reviews that every product has got ha, has. And so since all of those things are kind of real time and could be changing on the website all the time, it makes sense that they went to a digital display in the store so that you get that updated information. So it's not so much 
that they're changing products out every single day, but at the very least they're updating all that information about the products every single, you know, hour and then, you know, changing out the products uh, fairly frequently. Got it. Is it, um, you know, when you say this, I imagine like a little Kindle kind of cut to fit on the shelf. Is that kind of like, is it an Amazon um, product they've made for this or is it a third party thing? It is not. It's a third party product. So there's a, a vibrant competition out there for these fact tags. Um, some other retailers use them. Whole Foods, uh, interestingly enough, was an early adopter. They use them in some categories like the beer category. Um, Kohl's has deployed them pretty much everywhere. Uh, in New York City, there's a, a, a very popular f- a photography store uh, that's an e-commerce site to the rest of the country, which is called B&H Photo, and they use all these fact tags. Um, the In many states, if the price at the cash register is different than the price on the shelf, the retailer gets fined. And so um, one of the reasons that a retailer might want these electronic fact tags is to guarantee that the cash register price is always synced to the shelves. And so a lot of retailers, particularly in Europe, have deployed this technology just to protect themselves from that kind of regulation um, and consumer protection laws. Um, but increasingly, we're seeing that you can also use these digital fact tags to give customers a better experience. And if you're someone that's going to change prices frequently, uh, for example, Warren Buffett owns a store in Nebraska called, uh, or in Omaha called the Nebraska Furniture Mart. They they sell, uh, it's a huge furniture campus, but they have a 50,000 square foot consumer electronics store that's kind of like a Best Buy in it. And that store scrapes all their competitors' prices every morning, and they update the price on everything in the store to be lower than any competitor. And they do that using these digital fact tags. So we're starting to see them. It is a display technology that's very similar to the Kindle. Um, And I did do a little uh, spelunking when I was in the store. Uh, And and their particular solution comes from this this vendor called uh, Solum. Uh, And I'll put a link to, to their products in the in the show notes, but it's S O L U hyphen M.com. Um, and they, uh, you know, typically all these vendors make a wide variety of sizes. They, they have some color capabilities, so you can now get e ink in like three colors. Um, but mostly what Amazon's using are, are kind of the least expensive, uh, products in the, in the line. So they're the two smallest format tags, uh, that Amazon's using, and they're just black and white. Um, these things all run on a battery. They clip to a shelf just like a paper sign would. Uh, the store updates prices on a server that talks to all of them. You, uh, you use a mobile phone with Wi-Fi to update pricing. Um, and then uh, there's a Zigbee server, which is a flavor of Bluetooth that's used to actually update all the, all the individuals' uh, uh, fact tags in the store. Hmm. Why? So uh, I have been in an Amazon bookstore and there you kind of use the app. Why do you think they're using this instead of the app based approach? Uh, two reasons. Uh, number one, like I uh, if you actually go back to our bookstore first first show, I suggested back then that I was surprised Amazon wasn't using electronic fat tags in the bookstore because I felt like forcing customers to use the app is a. Uh, a high friction experience. Some customers will do it, some won't, but it's slower. And, you know, customers shop the store that don't have the app. And so um, I I was kind of surprised they didn't have fact tags just to solve the pricing problem. But now in this four-star store, 
they've doubled the problem because they have the they they have the dynamic pricing problem, but now they have the problem of showing you what the ratings and reviews are. Like that's the whole premise of the store, and so if they can't get that social proof uh, available for every product, then that's you know. Uh, it's hard to deliver on the on the promise of the store, and so I think they needed the fact tag to have the real time updates of the of the 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 star rating and the dynamic pricing. And so you know, I think that that's kind of cool. Uh, I'll bet you we don't see any new bookstores open that don't have these 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 tags in them. Um, and I'll bet you if uh, if Amazon does uh, deploy this this format a little more broadly. Uh, that it's another nudge to a lot of other retailers because once you have the ability to see the star rating in the store for a product, you really want that everywhere, and you you certainly want that at Target and Walmart. And um, you know, once once the expectations are raised that you can easily get that, like I, I think a lot of other retailers are going to have to have to match that capability, and or at least I certainly hope so. Cool. How, how often do these things update? Like when you're in the store, did you see them updating, or do you think it's like a once a day thing, or? Yeah, I, so uh, I didn't. I didn't see any updating. Uh, I didn't have the patience to stare at a single tag <laughs> long enough to to see a you know to change a review and see it see it change. I probably should have done that in hindsight. Um, in my mind, I I know from working with these tags that it's totally viable to change the price multiple times a day. So I just imagine that they're probably refreshing the tags every hour or every couple hours in the stores. Um, you don't want to constantly refresh them because they are running on a battery. And so, for example, if you if you update it every ten minutes or something, the you know the the batteries would would last considerably less time. Um, these tags actually don't use any power when they're not being updated. So one of the benefits of the e ink is it needs electricity to change, but once it changes, it doesn't uh, take any power to 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 keep its display state. And so then when the Zigbee goes to sleep. You basically have a tag that's that's electric, but isn't isn't drawing any power from the battery, which is pretty clever. I gotta believe if Amazon sticks this format, they'll build them themselves because they've got all the underlying technology. I, I mean, I'll be, be totally honest. Surprising uh, to me that they didn't. Yeah, I'm familiar with a number of these tag manufacturers. I was not familiar with this particular manufacturer, and I was uh, somewhat surprised when I, uh, you know. Uh, climbed underneath the display and was looking at the back of these things to see that they they were a third-party product i i tend to agree with you like it feels like something you think amazon would have engineered and then maybe potentially sold to other people um did you get uh, arrested i did not get arrested uh um, did you get cautioned did were people like no sir sir get down from that ladder I feel like I have this whole skill set about being really slick and smooth in retail stores and, and uh, you know, getting a lot of unauthorized photography and stuff. And it's mostly a wasted skill now because in the old days, they tried to catch you and they really frowned on that. Like now, like every single person in the store is taking pictures for Instagram and whatnot. And so it, uh, I feel like uh, being stealthy is a, is a um, devalued uh, skill in the stores. I will say... Uh, one missed opportunity. I was really happy to see the digital fact tags. A missed opportunity is what you can also do on those digital fact tags is you can throw an NFC chip inside of the fact tag. Um, and in fact, this manufacturer even offers that as an option. And so as we we covered last week, uh, the newest Apple products can now read NFC uh, chips with, uh, in the background. And so what that would mean is... Uh, 
you shop this store, you see the price, you see the number of ratings and reviews, and you could take any Android or any brand new Apple phone and just wave it in front of the price tag, and it could open the Amazon product detail page and let you actually read the reviews, for example. And so to me, that would have been a nice link um, to the customer's mobile device for the people that want to do a deeper dive um, or at the very least, Amazon owns their own uh, 2D barcode technology called Smile Codes. You would have expected there to be a Smile Code you could scan for each of these products. Um, and at least so far, they, they have not gone that way. So maybe that will be their next door concept is they'll, they'll add uh, Smile Codes and NFC uh, chips to the, to the digital fact tags. Someone told me on the tag, um, anyone can shop in there, but it will actually highlight if there's a prime discount. So um, there's certain things that were either prime exclusives or had exclusive prime discounts. Did you see that? Yeah, I did not notice any prime exclusives, but I did notice products that had a a prime discount. And so then the tag uh, used this kind of is was format. And so they say like list price, you know, uh, 1999 prime price, 1599 or whatever. Um, so you you could see that uh, they you know and they they this store like I you know I didn't count how many SKUs are in this store but like it 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 would not shock me if forty or fifty percent of all the SKUs in the store are Amazon products between Echoes, Kindles, Fires, Amazon Basics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I you could easily uh, imagine that half the products in the store are Amazon products. Did I just hear your Kindle cough? You, you, you may, yeah. Usually, I have it muted for podcasts, but because we did a special episode tonight, I decided to leave her on, and she's punishing me for it. <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. What uh? What else uh, can you highlight about about the store experience there? Uh. Yep. So the Instapot was prominently featured. I know that's a super popular product. Everyone likes to talk about. Um. The. They, they did have some digital displays for some of the Amazon products. So um, particularly for like the the ring doorbell displays, they, they had a, a button you could push that was built into the table and they had a like a 20 inch monitor built into the table and they played a video sort of uh, demonstrating the uh, the the ring value proposition to customers. And so, the, you know, these were these richer interactive tables um, most of the Amazon products were out and available for customers to try and use, and they tried to set up good demo environments for all these products. Uh, this is all live merchandise, so all the Amazon or non-Amazon products, if you wanted to buy something, you you grabbed it on the shelf. There's inventory on the shelf, and you you walk to the cash register and, and buy it yourself. Um, the... You know, so in general, I walked in that store and I'm like, oh, you know, this is a more fun store to shop than any of the previous Amazon concepts I've been in. Um, and so I, I thought that was really favorable. Uh, and I actually think the idea of merchandising the store based on customer social proof is really smart. Um, and I, I think it's really smart for two reasons. Those ratings and reviews have become like the most persuasive attribute in selling stuff online. And, and you know, there's a lot of studies that show they're like second or third behind price as the, the primary attribute customers care about. In many cases, they're a more important attribute than the brand name. Um, and you think, gosh, all those ratings and reviews are ubiquitously available online. They're not available in any brick and mortar format, right? And so who's the first retailer to figure out how to leverage ratings and reviews in a brick and mortar store? Uh, what a surprise. It's Amazon. 
Uh, I think that's really smart. I think a bunch of other retailers are going to uh, have to to move in that direction. And we've also talked on this show a lot about this trend of moving away from sort of intuition-based merchandising to data-driven merchandising, right? And historically, you, you know, if you were opening a store that was going to cater to gift buying, you'd hire some merchant and they would, you know, be responsible for deciding what cool products they carried and they would use their own intuition and they'd, they'd go to um, new product trade shows and they'd look at stuff and they'd say, I want that, that, and that, and I don't want that, that, and that. And it would be entirely based on their own previous experience and intuition. Um, and increasingly, we see some of the really successful online retailers like Amazon and Stitch Fix replacing those merchants and their intuition with data scientists and their evidence. And so, you know, now you've got an example of a brick and mortar store that's largely curated based on data, um, in this case, review data, rather than the intuition of a merchant. And so, you know, again, Traditional retailers probably look at that and look down their nose at it, but I uh, I think it's the direction that retail is going in, and it's not not wholly surprising that that Amazon is uh, pushing pushing the world in that direction more so than than uh, you know any traditional retailer certainly. Cool. Let's uh, summarize by give us like a couple things you loved and a couple things you hated, and then uh, uh, what do you think this means for the future of retail? Yeah. So. Uh, favorite things, like I, I think the overall concept of, of merchandising based on social proof, uh, I really loved. I, I love some of the, the clever cross-merchandising categories like, uh, you know, things that are frequently bought to bet together. Like that's that's not a, a merchandising approach you I've ever seen in a, in a physical store before. So I, I like some of those. Obviously, I really liked... Uh, the electronic fact tags and and letting customers see the live ratings and reviews in the store, um, and I, I love the the surprise and de- delight element in the fact that you don't know in advance everything that's going to be in that store and you might might discover something new. Um, so to me, those were all the the big wins. The thing I hated is that the checkout experience, as far as I'm concerned, totally sucks. Um, and I think I think they totally missed it. It It is the same checkout experience as the bookstore, but I didn't like it in the bookstore. Now I think it's even more acute in this store where they have a higher velocity of purchases and more SKUs. Um, so you get to the front of that line, and the clerk wants you to open up your Amazon app and go to a barcode reader in the Amazon app and scan a barcode that the clerk has at the point-of-sale counter. So the first problem is you may not have the Amazon app installed. If you do have it installed, you then need Wi-Fi or cellular uh, connectivity, which they were actually having problems with cellular connectivity in this store. Um, And if you have both of those, then you have to be smart enough to know that the way you check out is by clicking the camera icon in the app, which is totally unintuitive. Like that's arguably the most stupid thing I've seen since um, Amazon, uh, since Windows put shut down on the start button. Um, so I got to click the camera. I get the barcode reader. I scan the barcode that Amazon provides me. And then that generates a new barcode on my phone that then the clerk has to scan. So it's a handshake of barcodes, which is like there's some some potential security arguments in favor of it, but it's really convoluted and high friction. And it just watching people check out, it felt like I was st- sitting in a line in the Genius Bar watching watching the Apple Genius uh you know, folks trying to help people with problems on their smartphone. They were having to do like tech support for every customer to help them check out. 
And, you know, I found myself just saying like, geez, can't you guys just use the the barcode reader and, and swipe some credit cards here? Cause it would be much faster and more painless than this was. And, you know, the, the huge, huge irony of course, is that the, the Amazon store format that gets all the buzz is Amazon go. And the whole value prop, the whole premise of Amazon go is we make it really easy to check out. And so then they have this other really interesting format in Amazon four star. And the one thing that they get wildly wrong is it's the world's hardest store to pay in. Um, so I guess that's, that's a uh, room for improvement, uh, for Amazon. Okay. And what, uh, so you loved the checkout. <laughs> what, what's this mean for the future of retail? Yeah. So, Remains to be seen whether, uh, you know, this is something that Amazon's experimenting with, where it's, you know, I, there's a way to look at this and say, this actually is just an evolution of the bookstore that, the you know, I, I opened up by saying that my own personal theory is that the bookstores are really about selling and dem- demonstrating Amazon devices. And in the same way, Apple had to open their own stores to to increase their their market share with their products. And, you know, we see Bose and a lot of other people have their own own stores to tell their own product stories, you know, uh, Amazon needs their own stores to tell their product stories. And this is just a, a, a higher margin, more interesting, uh, version of, of what they launched with a bookstore. And so if that's true, it wouldn't be surprising at all to see a fleet of a few hundred of these, these stores, you know, in, in, uh, in some period of time. And if that happens, then I think a lot of the best practices with this from this store are going to become consumer expectations that a lot of other stores are going to have to match. Uh, if it just stays as a novelty in New York, um, you know, I think it's, it's something that the, the retail talking heads like you and I will talk about, but you know, it, it won't necessarily, uh, by itself drive new customer expectations and therefore force other retailers to evolve. Are you buying that? I am. I we're gonna have to wait and see. Did you get any vibe that it's? I've been to you know down to Soho there, and there's a lot of pop ups. Like Target had one down there, and um, did you get a vibe that it's pop up, or did did it feel permanent? Did did anyone talk about that? No, no. They very explicitly said that this is a permanent store and not going to be a pop up. Okay. Um, but you are right. Like there's a lot of similar stores uh, in that neighborhood that are sort of medium-ish term pop-ups that might be there for three or four months. Um, uh, Google opens a store over holiday in, in a, a very a similar space. Uh, but this, this feels like a permanent one. And again, like uh, I'm going to, there's a few bookstores that are under construction, so they may, they may be very similar to the ones we're familiar with, but if they, you know, the next bookstores they plan and open, uh, you know, I won't be surprised if they're four star stores instead of bookstores or or, you know, a closer blend between the two. Like this just feels like uh, Amazon evolving their own format for merchandising their own products. And I think there's a, a lot of logic in, in Amazon doing that. Yeah. And, you know, they're relentlessly analytical. So I'm sure they're taking those, you know, that 4,000 square foot is split up into sections and they know the revenue per square foot per day per you know etc and i bet they'll have that as an input into you know comparing this format versus all the other ones and and they're it feels like they're iterating towards something that you know is is a an optimal store footprint oh for sure and i'm sure part of the reason they're so adamant about getting you to check out with the app instead of a credit card is for that analytics right when you check out with that app 
they're they're able to associate you and all the shopping you did in that store and what you bought and what you didn't buy um with your Amazon account and all your history and so you know I I I suspect that the that they're taking a very hard look at that data and that that's part of the reason that you're highly discouraged from from using an anonymous credit card when you check out there. Did you see any instrumentation like uh, cameras or anything that could be, you know, kind of go like technology, at least kind of seeing which part of the store you went to or anything like that? Nope. They have some, uh, and I, w- uh, I would have needed a ladder to find out the vendor, but they have traditional um, uh, retail traffic monitors in the store um, and not just in the front of the store. So per your point, like they're probably able to do heat maps of the whole store. Um, but these are like, glorified webcams in a in a security case and so they uh they they're they're great for understanding traffic and dwell times and things like that uh but they weren't near dense enough to to resemble the sort of amazon go style uh track everyone's face you know perfectly throughout the store um and this store does in fact have a public bathroom which uh is one of the things we talked about you you can't do in a ghost store if you're trying to track the customer perfectly at all times Last question. Did you find anything exciting that you bought? Uh, well, so I did. Uh, I was traveling and I, t- I tried to travel light and so I couldn't have bought anything big. Um, but in all these new store formats, in the Go store and then again in this four-star f- uh, format, they had some branded merchandise. And so I've been buying the permanent shopping bags from all the different store formats. And they have uh, this uh, steel water bottle um, with Amazon graphics on it and the name of the store. And so, you know, now I have one from Books, uh, Go, and and Four Star. So I feel like I'm starting an Amazon brick-and-mortar retail collection. Very cool. We'll have to uh, put those in the show notes. I'd love to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will happily upload some pictures. Um, but, Scott, that's probably going to be a good place to end this Amazon four-star special edition of the Jason and Scott show. As always, if people have questions we didn't cover or you violently disagree with anything um, that we said on the show, we'd love to hear from you on Facebook. Uh, if this is the show that that finally pushed you over the edge, take the extra 30 seconds to jump on the iTunes. Give us that four-star review or five-star review. Either way would get us in the Amazon store. So uh, we we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, And a special shout-out to all our new Spotify listeners. This is uh, the first episode going live onto Spotify along with all the other podcast formats that we've always supported. So uh, happy to have the the, uh, Team Spotify in the, the Jason and Scott Show family. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.